Hey, I'm Will, and this is Benj. We're both church planners trying to work out how to form churches in this post-pandemic world. I lead a church that's trying to grow big. And I lead a church that's trying to grow small. But we share an interest in the beautiful and diverse future of the church in Australia. What will it look like? How will it adapt and innovate and thrive? If you're asking these questions too, then join us as we host a range of conversations with diverse thinkers and practitioners around what comes next. Welcome to the Forming Church Podcast, brought to you by Gen 1K and our vision to see a thousand healthy churches in a generation. Good morning, afternoon, evening, midday, whatever time, in the middle of the night. I don't know what time you listen to podcasts, but we're glad that you're here with us. and uh, We're glad to be there with you. We're very glad to be there with you. We have a, a treat for you today. Tell us what the treat is. The treat is a guy named Nigel. Nigel Cottle? Nigel Cottle. Nigel Cottle. And uh, Nigel is from uh, New Zealand. And he lives in a little place called Morningside. And many years ago, I think he said about 13 years ago, him and uh, his wife and uh, a few of their friends basically lived in a neighborhood that no one wanted to live in. He describes it as a non-neighborhood that no one wanted to live in. And they were like, man, how about we just work towards making the kind of neighborhood we would want to live in? And they have actually done that. Like they've, they've legitimately done it. They've really done what, it. What are, how have they done it, Ben? Okay. What are like some of the markers of having done it? Okay, so they started a cafe called Crave, which is this is not just like your average church cafe. This is like Jacinta Arden's daily local cafe. Yeah, yeah where she holds a press conference apparently. Um, and it's a great, like it's, it's sort of one of the best cafes in New Zealand. They started a sister cafe, which is a, a plant-based cafe. They started a brewery that is... Um, crowdsourced and they have uh, apple trees all through their neighborhood that they take the apples from and make cider it's incredible uh they're doing some some housing stuff it is like legitimately very good and at the heart of it all uh i love i love how he talks about this but nigel sees himself as a pastor not by title and not by being paid but a pastor by being a trusted person mm. in the neighbourhood um, who, who's really there in a tangible way. So super inspiring conversation. Now we do have to give you a heads up. Nigel was in the cafe and you will be able to hear the cafe in the background at times. This is not, you know, the highest audio quality we've had on Forming Church, but... You, you get to spend a bit of time in Morningside in that neighbourhood that's now no longer a non-neighbourhood, you get to sit in Crave Cafe and soak in the vibe. So you're welcome. Yeah. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you by Mauling College. As well as their great theological study options, Mauling run free courses, open nights and public events on topics like transforming vocation, faith in action, bioethics and more. And if you're a church planter, they even run a church planting course called Scent. They have a range of scholarships, campuses in Perth and Sydney, as well as online study options. You can find out more at mauling.edu.au. Wonderful. Well, Nigel, thanks so much for joining us all the way across, across the ditch. And um, it's good, good that you're here. I'd love just to hear what a normal week looks like for you. For me, uh, so 
G'day guys, my name's Nigel. I, I, I manage Crave Cafe and Kind. Um, I'm a pastor at Mosaic Morningside. Um, we build a Baptist church here and we're kind of in the, I don't know, the, the outer inner suburbs, or in the outer suburbs, one of the two, um, of Auckland. And I, I co-lead that with two other guys, Tim Shillop and Blue Bradley. Um, it's a good, good pastoral community there. We've, we, we set up Crave, you know, a few years ago as, um, as part of a, a way to make our neighbourhood a better place to live. And so my job job is kind of running Crave and then it's, it's Sister Kind Cafe, which is a, a mostly plant-based um, cafe next door. And then on sort of on the side of that, um, we've set up a little coffee distribution company in conjunction with some cool dudes down in Christchurch from the Addington Coffee Co-op who are coming out of um, the Southwest Baptist Church there. And they've got a mean as um, kind of neighborhood incarnation or mission model there. You guys should have a chat to them sometime. Um, and then uh, some other guys, in, actually some Anglicans in Wanganui. So there's this kind of coffee distribution or roasting and distribution company that we've, we've done, that's just pretty good. And then on the side of that, um, um, uh, there's a few of us from the neighborhood, because we live in the neighborhood of Morningside, and we've set up a little cidery called Morning Cider. Um, yeah, because we had to actually. And, <laughs> and that, that's been a fun kind of, you know, little journey that's you know, kind of gone forward um, in the last little bit. Yeah. And so my, my week consists of, uh, yeah, hanging out in cafes, drinking coffee, talking to people, um, strategy, uh, you know, and, and and deep down, just trying to make the neighbourhood that we live in a better place to live at its core. You know? mm. it's, it's the mission of the church, it's the mission of the cafes, it's the mission of the cidery, you know, uh, so, yeah, and it's, it's a good time. Oh, that's awesome. I, um, I wish we could be there with you and be having this conversation over a morning cider or an afternoon yeah. cider, but... Um, Oh, it just, it sounds so good just hearing about it. And if we're ever over there and we'll definitely come and drink, yeah, drink all the things and eat all the things because my mouth is watering. But um, why don't you just share with us the story, kind of the backstory behind how it started, you know, how you moved into, did Crave come first, I'm assuming? Um, yeah. And, and what was kind of some of the, I guess, the philosophy behind it and, yeah, just yeah. the backstory. So what I'll just give you like the quick, quick backstory, and you can just push into any questions you want to write. Because like, you know, you can chat about these things for hours, man. You know, it's, yeah. it's like thirteen years of history here. Um, so, so basically, I was a youth pastor in two different Baptist churches um, for for ten years, and and then kind of moved into regional um, coaching of, of youth pastors and youth workers. And we, having finished ten years, kind of as as a paid pastor. Um, I decided that the next season that I was going to do was going to have three things. You know, one was I wasn't going to lead it alone. So, so pastoral community or leadership you know, community was important. Um, it had to be grounded in an actual neighbourhood so so that the geographical space mattered. You know, um, I wanted my, my biblical neighbours to be my actual neighbours. And I was, didn't want to get paid. And so that were the kind of the three non-negotiable well, you know, things that I, that I had gone into it. And so that was about 13 years ago. And so found another dude, Blue Bradley, and um, he was on a, on a similar bent. Um, and and we, we were both kind of exploring this idea of, of kind of neighbourhood missional and, and so, you know, and it doesn't seem that long ago, but the language has changed a lot, you know, in that time. Um, and and so we, we moved into this place called Morningside. Uh, and in fact, actually, we thought we moved into Kingsland. So we we started off, you know, living in Kingsland, but it was only after a couple of years we realised we don't actually live in Kingsland. We live in the stink suburb next door called Morningside. Um, <laughs> But, but no one wants to live there, you know? And so when, when the house is marketed, it was marketed as Kingsland. And so, so after a while, I was like, ah, let's own the fact that we live in Morningside and let's just try and make Morningside a better place to live. Um, 
And and that kind of started this journey. And we we asked ourselves, you know, what what does this neighbourhood need? And what was funny uh, was Morningside existed. Like there's a train station called Morningside train station, but there was but literally no one lived in Morningside. Everyone lived in suburbs around Morningside. So it didn't matter what street you were on, you, you chose Kingsland or Mount Albert or Western Springs or St. Luke's or Bar- you know, all the surrounding suburbs, people will put that at the bottom of their dress and no one put Morningside on because essentially in the cities, you know, the neighbors bleed and it's, it's, it's a bit vague where they stop and start. And so, so no one wanted to put Morningside so out. So there was no neighborhood, essentially. There was no community of Morningside. There was no sense of, you know. And um, so we were just like, well, let's just create the neighborhood that we think would be awesome. And then people can opt into it as the is the idea um and with the idea being that people wouldn't move house but they'd move neighborhoods by sort of going actually i, I live in one inside kind of like we did um and so as part of that there was this thing of social poverty was was it the core? It's, a, it's a really super transient neighborhood uh and so people they kind of rented physically often and they rented emotionally and mentally and so they just kind of they slept in beds in this neighborhood but they'd live and work and things in other neighborhoods and so we kind of wanted to try and shift that up and so uh, it's not rocket science, you know, but a, but a cafe is, uh, and we weren't the first to think of it, um, but it's it just a good way to kind of engage and connect and, and things. And so, so we started Crave um, and I, I had a background for the, and, you know, I, I'd done a business degree, um, but I hadn't really used it. You know, I just kind of straight into youth work. And, but, but I'd done a bunch of kind of event coffee fundraisery type things. And so I was, I was kind of in the coffee scene, you know, a little bit. Um, and, and I knew that at some point I had a cafe in me. And so we started Crave. Um, the first couple of years, um, someone else ran it, and and then up because I didn't have the capacity or you know I'd commit other commitments. And then after two years, I, I took over, and um, it started out as a little twenty seat thing in the back streets of a of a non neighbourhood, um, and it, yeah, and in the worst position, yeah, it had no parking, it had no sunlight, it had no, it had no, nothing of anything. Um, but our thing was like, that's fine because it's just for the locals from the neighborhood. It doesn't need to be high profile or you know, anything like that. And it, it kind of took off slowly. There's a, there's, a, there's a long story of this, but it took off slowly, but it just grew consistently would be the thing. So we started at 20 seats. After a couple of years, we moved to 65 seats and um, got to the point four years ago where we were at capacity, um, like just, sort of bleeding out. And we, I realized we weren't really being able to achieve our mission of, of, of connecting and engaging with neighbors because it was just too busy and people from other neighborhoods were coming in, you know, to kind of hang out in the place on the weekend. And I was sort of musing on how we could, um, uh, you yeah, make it uh, a bit smaller. Which most things you're part of, you always want to make it a bit bigger. Um, and so we, we're kind of, and then a, a local landlord who owned a lot of stuff, he approached us and said, hey, look, I've seen you guys give back um, to the community and give a lot to the community over the last you know, seven or eight years. He said, I'd like to give back too. He said, um, how about you move your cafe over the road to this site that I've just bought? And it was like a, an old forklift tire warehouse, um, a little rusty and, and greasy, but it was excellent in terms of it had, you know, profile and sunlight and height and, you know, and we were, oh man, yeah, thanks for the offer, but we, we just knew we couldn't afford to, to pay for a fit out, you know, of this thing. Um, it, was, it, was, it was a massive site and it cost a lot. We, we kind of estimated about half a million dollars and we, and we didn't have half a million. And we, um, and we also knew, we, we were fragile as a, as a missional community. Um, yeah, just a few of us. And, and we didn't have the kind of, I think, capacity to do that. So he said, hey, look, I'll pay for the fit out. Um, anything a builder touches, I'll pay for it. He said, and I'll, um, 
we'll give you a hundred thousand bucks. You can buy some new new kitchen equipment, and and we'll tag your rent to turnover. So just eight percent. So if you have a bad month, I have a bad month, but we'll we'll cap it at market rate. So if you have a great month, I just have a normal month. And we were like, oh, this seems seems awesome, yeah. Um, and it was one of those so too good to be true offers. And so so he said, you design it, I'll build it. Um, but you know, try and be careful with that, you know. And and. In the end, um, we tried to design it well, but there was a number of issues, and, and the build probably ended up costing just about $2 million, you know? Sure. Um, and he's still friends with us. He's not a Christian guy, um, just, a, just a local, you know? Um, but, you know, just wanted to give back. And, and it's, it's been a really good, good journey, good partnership you know? um, that, that we'd, see, we'd see with that. And so that kind of got us into a different stratosphere of size. We didn't really, really know what we were doing. Um, we kind of became the largest cafe in the country, you know, in the, in the process of that. Um, and it was this sort of, oh, oh, it just, you know, just figuring it out and jumping, taking opportunities that presented themselves to us um, and, you know, trying to do a good job um, of, of everything we're doing. And it's been, you know, been awesome. Um, and, and the thing is, probably with success and size comes opportunity. And so then other opportunities have come up in, in the yeah, in time. So to some degree, Mosaic is, Mosaic Money is name of a church, but people would more think, oh, we're like a cafe church or something like that. But that, the cafe is like a, a small part of what constitutes our engagement in the neighbourhood, but it's a really massive thing, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, is, that is good. And this is, this is, like, this is a, good, a good cafe, and this is coming from a, a Sydney cider. Uh, this, is not, <laughs> this is not your average church cafe. This is like good stuff. I, I, w- I would love to hear some of your philosophy around uh, around doing things well and yep. um, actually being a creative force for good. Often, you know, sometimes churches are tied with doing things not so well or a little bit dodgy or a little bit uh, B grade. Doesn't seem yeah. like that's what you're doing. No, I'm super passionate about that, you know, because I know that at the core, the only way um, that we have long-term success, the only way we have you know, viability is to be good you know, and, and, and the business has to succeed because it's good enough, not just because people like our heartbeat. And so I'm so I'm involved in a lot of, or have been part of a lot of social enterprises and, and things where the, there's this heartbeat that's been strong and then this product or service that they do to kind of, you know, keep things going, but they don't really care about it and they don't put the energy and effort into it and it just doesn't work. And so with the cafe, like people will put up with junk coffee for a couple of times because they love who you are and what your heartbeat is, but they're not going to make it their local. They're not going to do that regularly. Yeah. And so we, so we knew from the word go, we wanted it to be sustainable, yeah. And, and so, and we are, we're, we're more than a decade in, yeah. And you, you don't get to do that if it's not, if it's not any good. And it, my, it's an urge of mine that I think um, anyone wanting to get started on something, uh, you, you've got to put the effort into making the thing good, not just the heartbeat that's behind it. Um, it's not just a vehicle to achieve this other goal; otherwise, it, it won't be good enough, yeah. Um, and it's something we have to fight. And so even as part of that, we have sometimes chosen to, to use brands that aren't necessarily socially good brands, um, that, that, but they're really cool brands because it's important for people to have confidence that we're not these kind of, I don't know, happy people just trying to do something nice. Yeah. Uh, but that we're legitimate um, and, and we kind of belong in, in, the, in the scene. Yeah. Mm. And it, it kind of culminated, I think, last year, we, we got voted... Um, 
Auckland's best cafe by the hospitality industry. So, so only people who own or run or part of the kind of cafes and restaurants and bars can can vote into that thing. And so that was a it was a, a real proud moment for us to kind of because we thought we kind of we went part of the hospital scene. We're just doing hospitality, but we're more part of the church or neighbour development or community or you know missional that kind of scene. Um, but it, it was a real um, shot of confidence that our peers in this thing would say, yeah, no, you guys are, are legit. Yeah, and we're like, mm. choice. Thank you. So I'm interested because um, running a cafe like that could just be so all-consuming in a way, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's a yeah. huge thing. Um, but obviously you see it as part of this bigger picture. And you even said before, like in some ways it's the small part of yeah. the bigger picture that you're a part of. So how do you understand all these moving pieces and how do you kind of like just think about and conceptualise the church, the cafe, the neighbourhood? What's like the bigger picture of it all in your mind? Yeah, so I think for me, the bigger picture is that is starting new things, uh, you know, and, and and not trying to get bogged into one thing. So so Crave's good and it's successful and it, it kind of grew and it could easily dominate our discussions as a church. But let's say when when we sit down as a church leadership and chat about the neighbourhood, we would hardly ever talk about Crave. So we we think it's more like that's the vehicle. Then if something if we want to do something, but it's not like that's the that's our solution it's a strategy um, and and because it, it started like if i could go back you know, 10 11 12 years um it started just two of us sitting in the cafe for three hours in the morning just having coffee and trying to um, connect with locals you know and in the first six or eight months it was a total failure you know people would would say hi but no one would really really chat you know and it, and it took about eight or nine months at which we almost actually gave up we almost pulled the pin um for there to be like a click and, and people go oh i think these guys are you know, this thing's legit and they're here long enough and, and yeah, I think I might actually open up, you know, that kind of vibe. And so so it's just been a vehicle for that kind of thing. But then it's it's taken on a life of its own to some degree. You know? So in the last um, last year, we had quarter of a million people through the cafe, right? So I can't learn quarter of a million people's names. I, you know, I, you know that's, there's a sort of a, I, I had to accept at some point that um, in order to be, to do the cafe well, in the weekends, you would, um, you would lose it to other people because people kind of go uh, on, on missions and, and so in the weekends at brunch and people come from all over the place, that kind of thing. And so, so the only way to not to avoid that is to have a crap cafe. Yeah. I was like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just have to kind of take a bit with this. So there's still this sense, like when we opened up Crave as it is now 3.0, we, we end up with all up about 200 seats and we were like, sweet, we've got more seats than anyone could ever sit in. So we'll always have room for our neighbors and bang first weekend things jam full. You know, we're like, <laughs> and it was it was, a real, it was a real kind of bummer and uh, and awesome at the same time yeah yeah and, and that we go um, and so we've we've kind of journeyed through for, with that and so Caf, Crave is yeah we have I don't know forty five staff um, three or four of them from Mosaic yeah and the rest of them are just yeah and and less than half of them would follow Jesus yeah um, so it's not like it's a it's not like it's a thing that in and of itself is the thing yeah yeah um, and and so we've got Kind Cafe next door, which we started up a couple of years ago as, as in response to like, how do we, how do we want the neighbourhood better by you know, overall, you know, reducing our meat consumption? Um, and how do we kind of make the neighbourhood greener and healthier? And so, so Kind was our kind of you know, response to that. And again, a couple of mosaics work in that, but that, that's it. Um, and, and it's a, it's a awesome business that we're really proud of that does a good job and, you know, is in, in the hospital scene. Um, in that sense, there's still kind of more stuff to do. So I, I would spend my 
my time from from a church perspective. I use the word church in, in the looser way because what we do doesn't really look like like you know like we don't have a building like Crave craves that building, but you know it's it's, most, it's seven days a week a cafe, you know, um, so we can't do a Sunday morning service here or stuff like that. And we, so we we, do, we meet in the evening on a Sunday, just it's our kind of FYI. Um, and so our, our thing is. Craze where we get prominence, you know, um, and it's a, it, it does provide some funding, but invariably cafes are a really, really hard way to make money, you know, um, and particularly if you're a do-good cafe because all of your costs are a bit high, you, know, you pay your staff a bit more, you're, you're good with the environment, you know, all that kind of stuff, and so your margins, which are tight anyway, get squeezed out even more, so it's always a super tight kind of ship to run, uh, but that would be cool. Yeah, so we would generally sit around when I'm in that context, the 20 of us, whatever, and just began, yeah, what 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 will make the neighbor better? And what's kind of relationally, you know, how do we connect it here? We've got structural stuff, we've got council or you know, opportunities from different local government or other businesses, or and um, and those are all things. Um, but it, it comes back to at the core, like how we're engaging with our actual neighbors, yeah, you know? like like we kind of set out 13 years ago. Um, yeah. Yeah, like we, we used to run the street party. So, so about 10 years ago, we ran a, our first street party. Blue, and the guy, he's a hunter and he'd shot a pig and it was like in a neighbor's fridge and it was like, you got to get it out of there, mate. You know, so we're like, what do we do? And it's like, well, let's hire a spit. We'll chuck it on the street and we'll just, uh, people who walk by say, hey, come back at six o'clock and we'll have it. And it, yeah, and it worked out. It, it looked like it was going to be a disaster and it worked out to be awesome. Um, and so from there on, we kind of started just doing that, just sort of illegally cordoning off the street and then it got a bit too big and so we couldn't do it legally anymore and so we had to kind of apply for permission and it's like a, a multiple thousand and three months in advance job to, to close the street and, and run these things right and so with COVID last year we were like well let's you know because it, it had gone into like now there's a thousand people come to our street party um, but but there was a bit with COVID like well let's try and transition back out and so we did a thing of let's give people boxes of food and we'll try and get a hundred different homes in the neighbourhood to invite their neighbours over for dinner and um, and it worked awesome, you know. And it was this thing. So I, we invited our neighbours around to our house, and then we went to our neighbour's house across the road, and we cooked at their house, and we invited their neighbours around to their house, and you know, and different people from all around, um, just invite the neighbours around. And it was this real kind of cool event. And it turned out that one of our neighbours from Blues Neighbours actually is part of a TV show, and so they put it on kind of national news of like, oh look, a neighbour's there. But it was just this random thing of you know um, us trying to get people talking to people in the neighborhood and make it better. That's that is, a rambling answer. To that that question. is good stuff. No, I love it. I love it. It's really, it's really cool. And sparks, sparks the imagination for sure. Um, just a bit of a church nerdy question to ask. Yep. What is the actual yep. um, business relationship between the church and the, the cafes? Well, how, yes. how does that actually economically work and this, this business structure and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, so how it works is that um, the church owns 100% of the shares of Crave Collective, the cafe, but we're in the midst of changing that. So we're right now kind of, uh, we're just only a short time away from, we're going to form a incorporated society um, and that will own the shares and then different people can join that. Um, and so what, because what we want to do is be able to bring some neighbours who aren't, who are unlikely to ever join the church um, but they're deeply connected, relationally connected, you know, and, and, and buy into what we're doing and, uh, and, just, and just part of us. And it sort of makes sense that they should be able to, to form a part of this, you know, um, and, and, and contribute to it. 
Um, and so, so that incorporated society will own all the shares of Crave. And then Crave owns most of Kind. But we've kind of set up a few different ownership models uh, for me, it's a little experimental with some different social enterprise things. So we, we with Kind, we set it up so we Crave owns um, two thirds of the shares, but then we sold, we needed half a million dollars for a fit out. And um, so we just put it out to the neighborhood and said, hey, you know, any of you guys looking to invest in a new thing we're doing? And um, yeah, we were like way oversubscribed and got that, that money really easily. And so a third of that cafe is owned by just other people in the neighborhood. Yeah? Some of them from Mosaic and some of them not. Uh, and the idea is that they will get a dividend, a, a lesser market rate, but a, a return on that investment, but it's a social investment. Um, and then say like the cidery or the morning cider, the idea with that is it makes the neighbor better through, like every time that we have a can of morning cider in Christchurch or in Wellington, there's like subversively we're taking this neighborhood that people don't want to be part of and like they're drinking it, kind of, it's, it's so good, yeah. Um, and we, we've planted apple trees all around the neighborhood, so it's, it's an urban orchard. Uh, we're, we're people in the backyard, and then they're part of this greater narrative of just, you know, this, this story that they, you know, this is real cool. So the cidery, you say, is just privately owned in, in that regard. So Crave doesn't, because it was like uh, alcohol in the church, there's, there's still some stuff of that. So we just sort of kept that to the side of it. You know, it's just a few of us that do that. Um, and, and then common good, the coffee distribution, um, Crave owns most of that. And then we've got oh, 40% um, as private shareholding of people that are actively engaged in it. So just we're experimenting with these different things. Yeah. Mm. Oh, man, I love it. Um, I just love hearing uh, just, uh, you know, you had a heart to make the neighborhood a certain kind of place and not like in a colonizing way, like we're going to go in and, you know, build an empire, yeah. but we're going to go in and we're actually going to build community. We're going to go in and we're going to get people talking to their neighbors and um, there's there's business in that and there's community in that and there's, apple trees in that. It's just beautiful. Yeah. Um, how does the, like, tell us a little bit about what the, the Sunday service looks like or like you, you, you call yourself a pastor. What does a pastoral yep. role look like in this context? Like this is obviously for a lot of people, not what they think of when they think about what a, a model of church looks like. So just talk about yeah. the, the, the bits and pieces that make the, the church component. I mean, it's all church, but I'd love to hear you talk about how you yeah. see those things. Yeah, no. Like so, and so I use it to pass it in this context here, but it would never be a context that we would use in the neighbourhood um, because it, it doesn't sort of make sense. You know? Yeah. Um, but so we would set ourselves up as we want to be pastors to the neighbourhood, but not through title, but through just who we are and how we roll. Um, mm. And so over the years, there's been these other there's these stories of you know people who kind of connect and hook them like, oh, I wonder this grizzly Australian dude actually, you know, ex special forces. This, <laughs> uh, lived in, in the corner. He'd come in the cafe every day, yeah. And then we didn't see him for a while. And, and then he came in and looked a bit disheveled. And he basically, um, he, he says, I need to talk to you, Nigel. And we come and sit outside. And he, he sits down. He's, he's just sort of dour. And he goes, I've got a brain tumor. Yeah. And, I was like, oh. and he says, But I'm going to take care of it myself. I'm like, oh, what does that mean? Um, and then he goes, but will, you run my, will you take my funeral? And, and I was like, Look, I've never taken a funeral. And I thought, well, how do you know the, yeah, anything about what's going on? And what would make, yeah, but there was a something around how we'd engage and what we'd done and how things that he was like, oh, you're the guy that, you're the kind of guy that could take a funeral and that'd be real cool. Um, and for me, that's like the, the sense of that's what we want to be. So it's not a, not a title. It's not a position. Uh, yeah. we, I don't get, we don't get paid for it. Um, and I, and I, there's a, I've been volunteering into that thing for, you know, yeah, 13 years now, and it's like, it's awesome. Um, mm. 
and it's hard and it's difficult and it's sweet, you know, and all the things that go with that. Um, and so from a, from a church perspective, we, we, we meet in the, um, here on, on a Sunday, but the, we've, had a, we've had a journey uh, over time. So in the first five years, we would have sent, so that the, the members of the church, we would see ourselves as like a, a, a missional community. And so like people go over to other countries and, and set up stuff, um, we were like that. We, we were kind of, we would meet, we would gather together on a, on a Sunday night but that would be to kind of resource us to go back out into the neighborhood and just be awesome neighbors uh, so the first few years there was no cafe there um, and we would just whatever we could do to get involved in the neighborhood so you know up, up on the kind of main set of shops um there was a, a main bar called the kingslander and we'd go there on a tuesday night for desperate housewives night and wednesday night would be quiz night and thursday night was salsa dancing night honestly i danced salsa for a couple of years you know the forbidden dance you know? and um and it was this this thing of whatever we could do just to hang out and, and do what, what something that's happening in and around um and you know and, and it, it cost money because you had to kind of buy beer you know stuff like that up in the, in the pub. um and and it wasn't until the five-year mark, because what we said was, hey, look, there'll be a point somewhere where we're going to say, hey, the best use of my time this week is spend 10 or 20 hours writing a sermon for a thing, but it definitely wasn't going to be in the first week. Um, and, and it took about five years for us to kind of go, okay, yeah, there's enough people and there's a, sort of, there's a demand from people saying, hey, how, how come you got, you know, we can't. And, and so um, we, we, we essentially started an open church service, you know, um, and, and we've journeyed that in different forms for the last number of years. Um, we, we overtly at the start had this kind of statement of, oh man, we're just going to do the, the barest minimum because we're like all of our energy wants to go into the neighborhood and people and stuff, not into this church thing. And after a few years, we realized when you do something and you overtly state we're doing to the barest minimum, it really is the barest minimum and it's not that inspiring. And yeah. Um, so we're kind of, our, our thing was, it, let's do something that we just want to be part of that, you know, if I, if I wasn't leading it, I'd still want to turn up to it. Um, as the kind of maybe litmus test of is, is it good enough, and so we, we do a you know a semi-reflectional. It's in the cafe. It's around tables. You know we we've got a pretty pretty high caliber of people who are at the, at the core membership of what Mosaic is. You know because there's a level of um, there's a perceived level of commitment. Um, you know all, all we ask is that you change the world. You know we don't care how you do it. Um, so I'm not, you know, not very high. Uh, and and so so there, you know we've got. Last year we had sort of you know, nine weeks in a row of, of different females speaking, yeah, you know, and, and that was like that was really cool, you know, um, and could better do that. We we're on, ourselves on a kind of bike by cultural journey in terms of our Pakeha Māori um, and, and what that looks like, and so uh, yeah, we, we we're pretty progressive um, theologically, yeah, in that sense too. We're part of the Baptist Church Baptist Association of Group of Churches, which is similar to the Australian Baptist, you know, in terms of quite different than the Southern Baptist in the States. Um, and yeah, and, and so, so that kind of grounds us, I suppose, um, and not just sort of heading out in some willy angle. Um, and, and even within that, both myself and Blue are, are part of the kind of wider Baptist leadership thing. So I'm on the, the, the overall mission council governance of the country and, and Blue's on the assembly council. Um, so so we, we do get a, a voice into as a small mission community in a neighbourhood, we do get a voice into the kind of how the wider thing goes, which is pretty cool, uh, and, and there's a good relationship there. Yeah. So good. yeah, does that answer the question? Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Uh, I'm asking these questions for this podcast, but also I'm very personally interested because I currently um, am probably what people would call bivocational traditionally, 
pastor a small community um, and then kind of try and make income in other ways. But if my path yep. was to lead me like five, 10 years down the track into what you're doing, that that is the kind of thing that I would love to see emerge, like to be fully, to have the church become um, exactly like you said, what we would want to be part of, driven by this beautiful community who want to make the neighbourhood a better place <clears throat> and get invested in the in the cultural and economic aspects of a place. Um, so I'm just hearing this and going, yep, this is... Um, proof that this kind of thing can be done. It can be done, yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, it's, it, and it's been a journey for for us, um, but but a, but a really really good one. Yeah. Um, and and we have yeah, like at the start when we started, we, we would say that Baptist there was like a general kind of like I don't know what those guys are doing. You know, you know, I don't I don't think it would work. Was there was a kind of vibe? Um, and then over the years, you know, d- different different aspects have been successful. We're not where we thought we would be. We, we thought things would be different, but they've been awesome simultaneously. Um, and yeah, and I think honestly, I, I, I can't overstate. I think how important it is to, for me to not be the paid guy. And there's the church that I'm leading, and, but they kind of look to me to kind of do the stuff. Like at the end of the day, um, we provide leadership for this thing, but it's not. But we're not the we're not the pastors. You know, probably the next five years of my life. In the neighborhood we're going to be focused on the physical structures of the neighborhood so there's been apartment buildings and other things that have been done that are, that are just really terrible um, and they don't foster community and they yeah and and they're not very neighborly and so i'm like how do i make the neighborhood more neighborly from a physical construct perspective you know uh, from from a car parking from a, all, all sorts of that kind of thing and, and there's a so so we've got a, like a, a co-housing project that we're just sort of kicking off um, and, and some other things that we've been invited into by other kind of people around. That again, we don't really have much experience in, but there's a trust that's that's there for us now. That, that yeah, yeah, and it's a, it's really cool and, and a bit scary at the same time. Yeah, I love it. I love the big dreams. It's very inspiring. Um, you you seem like you have a pretty integrated approach to it. it all it all seems like the the lines are pretty blurred between. You know your faith yeah. and your your work and your, your role as a neighbor and a businessman yeah. and a, and in this uh, you know pastoral role. Yeah. Um, how do you see those things mixing? I I can see a lot of people may have a question around the blurring of like of business and church and maybe yeah. sometimes that's gone a little a little bit wrong or the the business side is has sort of encapsulated or or. Uh, become a carnivore of the of the church side of yeah. things how, how do you think about that yeah i mean it's, it's I, I think that's a huge question it's like trusts that go off the wire you know in the second generation so the, the fortunate thing for us is we're still in our first generation of leadership right? so the, the founders are here and we're part of this and we're, we're keeping it in the, in the check so what does it look like in second and third generation is, is a real question um can we do a good enough job of raising up there and do, you know that, those are to, to be to, to come yeah and to be known um but I'm still not planning on going anywhere soon, but uh, yeah, yeah we, we need to do that. So definitely can't speak to, to that. Um, but uh, two things. One is I'm all about, uh, yeah, just having it all in. But, yeah, I'm not trying to like separate out my work and my, my you know, family life and, you know, and, and it's been a long time now. So it's not like, oh, yeah, you, you're going to burn out. You're going to. Because I, I I don't I try not to work too hard and I try not to be too busy would be a, 
a really a great thing. Um, I don't think busyness is, a, is awesome. And, um, but, but I do think that, you know, I love starting new things and pushing things forward and all that kind of thing. Uh, but I also love hanging out and yeah, chilling. So there's this space of, I think, yeah, I love walking, you know, living in walking distance of great. You know, I, I love, there's a neighbor that I, I, I hardly ever drive a car um, because I just don't need to. You know? and, and I love that my life sits in that space. But if I want to go out, you know, it's cool. But we, and we can become a little bit insular sometimes because it's been a long time since I left the neighborhood. Um, but there, there's a there's a goodness in that, you know. Um, there's a real settledness in, uh, and and something something awesome. Um, and so I, I'm I'm a seven on Enneagram. I don't know if you guys are Enneagram. That's, that's a thing. I'm a seven too, man. Oh, I'm a fellow sweet, seven. Yeah, yeah <laughs> hallelujah. Um, seven with the seven wings, me. And because yeah. um, why would you go somewhere else if you're healthy? Anyway, that's another whole topic. Um, uh, so so I I am all about kind of go hard and go hard and go hard in terms of not, not trying to have everything in moderation, but just just, just go where the, the mojo and the energy is, you know, that sits in the neighbor. Kind of thing. Um, and so it's important that not everyone's like me in that regard. Um, you've got different, different peaks, you know, blues are one and he's more like, let's do the right thing. Uh, okay, all right, we'll do the right thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, come on, do the right thing, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm married to a one. Um, one's so, the best. And, that's why it's not number one day. on the Enneagram. That's why right, yeah. number one. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Tim, he's a nine, and so he's like chill. Um, and so, so in that, there's this, there's this real, I, I think there can be this energy uh, and there can be a little bit of intimidation. So, so just to be, to be fair, you know, we're, we're over a decade into this, but there's still just like 22 or 23 of us, you know, um, that at the core. And that's, I think, because A, the structure is difficult for people to kind of wrap their heads around if they're used to a normal church. And there's a perception that it's hardcore, that you've got to be real hardcore. Yeah, so good. Um, in a moment, we'll, we'll wrap it up with a few rapid fire questions and just give you some one, one word or one sentence. But before we do, I just would love to hear what would your advice be to someone who's at the beginning of that journey? Who's like, man, I, I'm hearing this. I want to change a neighborhood. I want to start great things. I want to kind of be really integrated in a place. Um, but it's a totally different way of thinking about it, maybe, to how they've yeah. conceived of things before. What would your advice be? I think my advice would be uh, don't, don't need to have it all sorted out before you get started. And... And I don't want to have them, but you don't need the thing to pay you. Um, just to, so in in life, there's a before the last three or four years um, of you know twenty something years of marriage, I, I was only ever paid full time for one of them. Yeah? Um, and that's because you can't always monetize the things that you want to be part of, be, be about. And so I think just don't be afraid. And so I've known a lot of people who are awesome and could have, been, but they were just real focused on I need to get paid to, and whatever we're doing, you know. And um, and that's been the thing that's kind of helped them or made them make sort of decisions and step into this thing that's actually killed them and you know and that kind of stuff. So it is just um, gets uh, don't do it alone. Um, don't don't need don't require too much money. You know some um, don't make it too easy. It's good for it to be a bit harder. You know, like there's a there's a journey at the start um, that, that, that when you're bootstrapping and it's hard and difficult, uh, it's good. And if, if it's all easy, it's all laid on for you, it's probably easy come, easy go. Yeah. So that doesn't sound very inspiring. 
Yeah. I love it. I love it. It is inspiring. It is helpful. Very helpful. All right. Rapid fire questions. Are you ready? All right. Let's do it. One word or one sentence. Okay. What's influencing you right now in terms of things you're um, consuming, content, books, podcasts, conversations? The book Cast by Isabella Wilkinson, reframed things for me. Awesome. And, uh, if and you, I just finished Barack Obama's, Barack Obama's autobiography too. Oh, nice, man. That's a, that's a solid read. That's a lot of pages. A, so well done. It was 29 and a half hours of audio while I was that. on the beach. Yeah, awesome. I'm in the middle of it. It's long. <laughs> yeah. I've got to add that to my list. Um, if you had one book that you could just give away for the rest of your life, only one book, but you've got infinite copies to give to people, what would it be? Uh, real fast. Um, uh, Rob Bell's Loved Ones. Just to pick individual. Love it. <laughs> um, what would your two or three sentence um, piece of advice be to someone who is looking to start something new, church planter, new business, something, a new ministry, something, they're, they're on the cusp of something new. What would you say? Just get started. Uh, go with your gut and get good people around you. Awesome. Nigel, so good to hang out over Zoom for a while and uh, just we're both really inspired by you and, and what you're doing. And, man, I'm like as soon as that travel bubble is open again, yeah, man. We I'll could have start, had you guys on the label. Start making a plan to get there. Yeah. Can't yeah. wait. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Fun times, guys. Th- thanks for having me on. You know, it's Thank good you. to have a bit of morning side. This is, I think, it's subversive, man. Morning side's in Australia. It's, is it? It's a, well, it's, it's, the non, it's a non-neighborhood that people don't want to be a part of, but they're slowly, <laughs> yeah. surely taken out of the world. Come on. So good. <laughs> so good. Thank you so much. All right. Cheers. Have a great Arvo. See ya. See you, man. Nigel Cottle. Nigel Cottle, ladies and gentlemen. That, that really, that conversation really blew me away. That was the kind of thing that, um, I don't know, you just hear a story like that and you sometimes maybe daydream about that kind of thing happening in an alternate universe, but don't really believe that it could happen in this one. But <laughs> Nigel is proof that it can. It's so good. It's so good. I, I, um, it's kind of like... It's kind of like you and me combined together. With somebody who's good at hospitality. (laughs) It's like everything that we both want to be in different ways that he's being that in both ways. So that's uh, that's very good. I I loved some of the ideas and some of the takeaways for me were um, the street party stuff he was doing, Mm. the little meals that he like the boxes of meals he sent around the neighborhood oh, for them to invite. I love that simplicity. A hundred people having dinner with their neighbors. So good. Crowdsourcing the the apple tree thing, I reckon that is just the best thing. So I I want to um do some stuff like that. Very good. Is there a tangible takeaway that you think you'll you'll kind of try and put into action from that conversation? I'm gonna uh, give this episode to some of our team as we're dreaming about some of this stuff coming up when we're talking about property and buildings, and uh, it's going to help bring the creative juices. Lovely, lovely, lovely. What about for you? Takeaway? Well, one takeaway is obviously I want to go to New Zealand. <laughs> I want to go to Crave and Morning Cider and even Kind, even though they're not going to make me a meaty meal. I can get down with that. Yeah, I'm there. Yeah. Um, but for me, the takeaways or the I guess the thoughts that are going to stay with me from that episode are, one, I love the way that he um, 
his perception of what it means to be a pastor that's not about a paid role. Mm. And uh, nothing wrong with being paid. Um, we're both paid in some capacity as pastors at the moment, but I love the idea that that could come and that could go and you could build different structures around that, but being a pastor who earns your trust by being the kind of person in the neighbourhood that Nigel is, yep. that's what I want. Um, and then the other thing uh, is just around it takes time. They were just going to the pub for five years and just like buying beers, investing in the neighbourhood through buying beers, love that. Um, but just taking time, dreaming, waiting, picking picking your moments to make the next move, that's a big thing I take away from that. We don't have to change the world overnight, but if you're committed to a place and to what might be possible, that can add up to some crazy stuff over time. Come on, bring it on. Let's, let's, let's do it. Let's do some crazy stuff. Done. Hey, uh, we would love to hear your takeaway. And it is really helpful when we hear the things that you're getting out of these conversations because we want this to be more than just us, um, but a, 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 a community um, learning, following the way of Jesus, sharing ideas, um, seeing God's kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. So if you uh, have a takeaway from this episode, drop it in our Facebook group and that would be wonderful. Beautiful. Catch you next time. Goodbye. Hey, it's Jamie. Join me and some friends next week for a roundtable discussion where we unpack the ideas from this episode and what they look like in different contexts.